A quick note before we get started, we made it to 20 episodes. Thanks for subscribing, rating, and reviewing our podcast. Your support helps keep us going. As a bonus, we're offering anyone who signs up for our newsletter a free PDF on the common obstacles in teamwork. You can get it by going to hpleadershippodcast.com and entering your email address in the bottom left of that page. Again, that's hpleadershippodcast.com. On episode 20 of the High Performance Leadership Podcast, Nicole Morgan. One of our clients, you know, we'll sit in a room and it's all women, all making decisions together on the same page. I had never seen that before I started Resolute. You're listening to the High Performance Leadership Podcast. Insights and information from world-class leadership experts. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Randy Lane. Today, we're talking with Nicole Morgan. She's founder and CEO of Resolute PR, a public relations firm based in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Nicole's been working in PR for over a decade. She talks about starting her own company and building a team. She's even got great marketing advice for promoting your own brand. And now our talk with Nicole Morgan. All right, Nicole, can we start by you just kind of telling us about your background? So I went to school at Oklahoma State University and didn't really know what I wanted to major in while I was there and got into PR. And shortly after that, I got an internship at a startup agency here in Tulsa and started there as an intern and ended up getting hired after I graduated and worked there for 10 years and kind of kept working my way up and then uh, Resolute. So how big was this other firm you're working for? It varied. So when I first started, I mean, it was just the guy that started the company and I was working as an intern. And so I, I was getting a lot of really good experience that I wouldn't typically get as an intern. And then right after I graduated, things really started taking off. So we got up to, I think, seven people at one point, seven or eight people. And then when I left, there were four of us. For someone who's somewhat naive, what's the difference between PR and say someone who does builds websites or marketing collateral, that kind of stuff. A lot of the people who I've always worked with have been small to medium sized businesses. And so I have always approached public relations and marketing and advertising is they all fit together, especially now. Everything daisy chains together. They, you know, you, you really can't do any one thing anymore to be successful. So a lot of the businesses and organizations that I'd worked with were kind of in that small to medium sized business range. And they didn't have the budget or really the bandwidth to go out and hire different people for these different functions. So I really had to quickly learn how to get everything to fit together and how it worked together. And so I, I'll sit down with a company or an organization. And the first question I ask them is, what is your goal? And not what's your marketing goal, but what is your goal as an organization? Because we need to start there and everything needs to tie back to that. Um, and then once I know that, then the next question is, well, so what's, what is your marketing budget or what's your public relations budget? And then I can tell them if I were in your shoes, this is what I would do with it. And that is not the same for everybody. Sometimes people just don't know who they are and they need awareness. And so we need to generate stories in the media and help get their story told. Sometimes it's that their salespeople are going out and, you know, they're not bringing in any leads and it's because they're, you know, they're going in their meeting with people and they don't have anything to give them. Their, their marketing materials are, they're homemade or they're just not selling things appropriately. So it really can vary. And so we manage all of those things. We're a one-stop integrated, full service public relations and marketing agency. So we provide all of those services. So you don't have to give any specifics, but do you have any stories that come to mind when you first started and you said you're doing all sorts of different functions? 
where you had to really learn on the fly and it was kind of a stressful environment? Well, kind of from day one, I started managing accounts. And I look back on that and I'm like, you know, I, I was barely 21. I just graduated and I was managing an account. But by jumping in like that, I learned a lot really fast. And I, I actually now I know that about myself, that that's the best way to learn for me is to just jump in. And, you know, my boss at the time was really helpful. He was there if I had questions and he would mentor me through that. But he also was very busy because we're in that quick growth pattern. And so he wasn't there a lot. And so I was able to just kind of figure things out on my own. And because I was able Able to communicate with clients and they were patient with me. I was able to kind of test things and see if they would work and they will let me try out my new ideas. And so it worked out pretty well for me. I don't know that that's probably the best strategy for everyone, but for me, it worked out. <laughs> well, it's, it's pretty common because things are so fast paced now. And especially if you're in a small startup type organization, you, you don't have the luxury of wasting time or sitting back and thinking about it. You got to kind of plug through it pretty quickly and, you know, get ramped up pretty quick. So I get the question a lot, and maybe you can help with this, is what is the difference between sales and marketing? Sales is not something that we typically uh, help with. We've referred people for that. So sales is going to be more about the direct talking directly to the customer and selling whatever that product or that idea is. And that's not something that we do. That's a very specific skill set. There are a lot of different strategies that go into that. And so there are people that specialize in just sales. We are more on the, the other side of things where we're kind of behind the scenes. We're helping develop brands. We're helping tell the stories. We do get talking points. One of the things that we do for our clients is brand strategy. So coming up with those key message points and helping them identify how they talk about their their company. And that should be consistent across the board. So everybody from the salespeople to the receptionist when they answer the phone to the owner of the company when they're speaking somewhere. So in that perspective, there's definitely crossover, but that's not something that we get into. Yeah. So you help put the message together and promote the business, but you're not in the sales business. Yeah. 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 I completely understand that. So tell us a little bit about your firm. Are you a sole proprietor at this point or do you have people that are working with you remote in the office? Tell us about your company. So we actually, we're kind of in a, in a quick growth phase right now too. So we started, we just had our two-year anniversary, August 1st. I started with myself and one other person and we are now up to six people. So that's been exciting yeah. and I didn't expect to grow that quickly, but it's it's been really fun. Now, when you say you've grown, what, what kind of people have you brought on and for what reasons? Allie was my coworker who started with me and her expertise is really on what we call earned media. So the publicity, generating stories, that side of things. Her background was actually that she worked at a local news station. And so she really understood the ins and outs of traditional public relations and mm -hmm. getting awareness for clients and uh, helping pitch stories and identifying what's newsworthy and being really quick on that. And, and so we were able, that was really kind of where things started with the firm was the more traditional public relations. And then on my end, I would do more of the graphic design type projects and strategy and brand strategy and online marketing. But what we started to see was that for one, the, the, the media industry here in Tulsa is changing very quickly. We've had two print publications go away. In television, you have reporters who are, they're going out, they're shooting the story themselves. They're, you know, out there with a selfie stick. So they look like they have a cameraman, but they're also the reporter. And, you know, Randy can attest to all this. They're oh, yeah. 
putting the <laughs> footage in the car and then they're on to the next thing. And so their bandwidth is, is very tight. And so as I was looking at where things were growing, a lot of it is moving to online marketing. Even within the news stations, a lot of their news is going online first. That's who can break the story first. And so I knew that we were doing a better job than most when it came to online marketing, but it got to the point where I saw that there was a lot of opportunity there. And I said, you know what? We need to find someone who just lives and breathes online marketing and all of the new service areas that can come from that. Everything just kind of works out for a reason in a certain way. And so I got reconnected with someone that I had met through a, a business event a few months before. Didn't realize that she even did online marketing. I knew her in a totally different capacity. She was an entrepreneur and I thought that her business was what she did. But come to find out, she actually grew up in Seattle, which was kind of the birthplace of SEO before it was even called SEO. So she had a lot of knowledge in online marketing and she had been you know, doing her thing freelance and was looking for something to get plugged into. And I went I met with her and everything she was talking about was everything that we needed. And so I said, you know what, let's just go for it. Let's just see how it works. And so she started in January and it's, you know, it's been one of the best hiring decisions I've ever made because she's really helped flush out that side of the business. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, you know, our, our podcast, as you know, is around leadership. So one of the questions we always like to ask everybody that's on here is, have you ever worked with or been around or associated with someone who you think or believe is an exemplifies leadership, great leadership. And, and what does that look like? Or in contrast, have you ever worked for someone who is the opposite of what you would consider great leadership? You know, they're actually pathetic at it. And what would that look like? And what, what are those characteristics? <laughs> and actually answer both of those in the same question. So one of best people I've ever seen in business is my grandfather. He kind of like me, never really expected to get into owning his own business. He, he didn't even start on that path until he was, he, I think he was like 51 and just kind of lucked into it. He had helped someone start a business and the guy, you know, kind of at the last minute or like a year into it said, you know what, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm going to move on to something else. And so my grandfather said, well, I'd like to do it. And so he, he took on the business and it's been very successful. He lives in the Netherlands and, you know, some of his kids were work for the business and they've had other people. I think they got up to maybe 12 or 15 people plus salespeople that were out in the field, but he's now retired and the man is 84 years old and he's still every day at 10 o'clock in the morning, he goes up to the office and has coffee with his employees and just wants to hear what's going on because this is what he's passionate about. Like this is the thing that he built Mm -hmm. and he wants to see how it's going and he wants to continue to see it grow. And he will probably do that until the day he dies because it's, this is something that he's excited about. So I just have always had so much respect for that. Growing up, we would go visit for like a month and there weren't a lot of kids in the neighborhood. And so I would just go hang out in the office and staple papers or whatever I could do. Just, I loved being in that environment. Kind of on the flip side of that, I sometimes I'll hear entrepreneurs say, well, you know, my goal is to grow this business because then eventually I won't have to work and other people can do it for me. And that is so not me. I I just have never seen that work. Mm -hmm. So um, that's certainly not the direction that I would hope to go. And I, I just always have kind of a hard time with that when I hear someone say that. So if I was to ask you, what kind of leader do you see yourself as right now? I mean, you're fairly young, you know, kind of couple years into your own business, that kind of stuff. If, if I was to ask people that know you well, that are around you, that work for you, how do they perceive you as a leader? How, how do you think they would respond? 
I, I try to be humble. I don't like people, you know, saying things about me being a good leader or I appreciate that, but I don't necessarily need people to tell me I'm a good boss or anything like that. A lot of my style is helping the people on my team be the best that they can be. So I am, I actually have one of my clients does executive coaching and is certified in the Clifton Strengths Finder. And one of my strengths is that I'm a developer. And what that means is my number one strength. But what that means is that I am just naturally always looking for how I can help the people around me do better. And how can I develop their strengths and what are they good at? And are they in the best position that they could be? And if something's not working, there's some kind of conflict with a client, then why is that? And are they not a good fit? Or is there something, a part of that job that they could be doing better? And how can I help them through that? What I've seen is as my team's grown, I'm actually recognizing that I'm just naturally doing that more and more. And so I think that's probably, I don't know if that's a leadership style, but I think that's important to help other people feel valued and like they're a part of the bigger picture. What was going through your mind when you went from working for a company, especially after 10 years to going and starting your own company? Why'd you decide to do it? Was it scary? What was going through your head at that moment? When I look back on it, there was a lot that had changed within the company over the last five years that I had been there. And it all kind of culminated in the owner of the company having some pretty significant personal issues. And people started telling me, you know, Nicole, I don't know why you're still there. You should go do your own thing. But I'm I'm a very loyal person and I know it sounds crazy, but I honestly thought I would be there forever. I really did because I loved my job. I liked the people that I worked with. I loved the clients. What happened was I ended up going on vacation with my family. I was supposed to be gone for two weeks and I booked a trip a weekend to come home a week early to see clients, try to keep everything together, see if I could just, you know, kind of save everything. And I, my family dropped me off at the airport. I'm sitting there alone and I, it just kind of hit me. I just had this watershed moment where I'm like, what am I doing? You know, I just left my family on vacation. This is what my daughter is going to remember. And she still does. She told me the other day, she's like, well, I remember that vacation when you left me. And, and I was like, you know what? That's not worth it. And so I came back and I quit. And the next day I started Resolute. And so what was the first few months of starting Resolute like? Uh, I had a fire in me. I, I definitely wanted to prove to myself and to everyone else that I could do this. There were a lot of people who supported me and, and just, you know, encouraged me and were giving me referrals and I didn't take any clients with me. So I started from scratch, but from day one, I felt busy and I felt like I had a purpose, you know, I never knew what the next day was going to be like, but I knew that it was the right thing. And that was very encouraging. We started at, at first I was like, well, I'm just going to, you know, work out of my house and we'll save money. And so I was working out of my house and Allie was working out of hers and we'd meet up somewhere halfway through the day. And, and then, uh, I'm <laughs> the story I always tell was one day I'm, I'm on a conference call and my son walks in completely naked playing the harmonica. <laughs> <laughs> like he, like, like we all do on occasion. Right? <laughs> yeah, totally. But for kids, you know, I was on a conference call. So I, I was like, okay, well this isn't going to work. And so then we worked at a coffee shop. And one day, Allie had gotten to the Starbucks before me, and she called me, and she was like, Nicole, um, I know it's 3 o'clock on a Thursday, but someone decided to set up an acoustic guitar set right now, so I don't think we're going to be able to work from here today. <laughs> so then we moved to another one, and we just we kind of shifted around in different coffee shops, and then eventually uh, my dad owns an office 
space and a, a spot opened up. So we started there and it was perfect for two people, good to help me control my expenses. And, and so we kind of grew from there. And then right at the time that we were ready to hire Natalie, the third person I told you about, then this opportunity came open at this entrepreneurship center. And so that was just perfect timing for us. Why don't you talk about that a little bit? What's the place like? It's really cool. So the, this is kind of the trend across the country. I don't know if you guys have anything like this down there in Waco. You're in Waco, right? Yep. Yeah. Do you guys have anything like that down there? We have something. Yeah. I forget what it's called now. Yeah, we have a couple of them. But they're, they're not as hip and trendy here in Waco as Dallas or Tulsa <laughs> yeah. or some of those kind of places. Yeah, they're kind of just starting. Yeah. So one of our clients is the Lobeck Taylor Family Foundation. And they worked with another family foundation called the George Kaiser Family Foundation. And they had been looking to provide more resources for entrepreneurs just to help them get started, give them mentors, give them a community because you can so easily feel like you're going at it alone. And so they started researching this concept. And so they went to all these different entrepreneurship centers around the country and basically just made a list of what they liked from each one, what was working, what wasn't. And so that's kind of where 36 Degrees North was born. And it's a really cool building. It used to be a Ford dealership back in the mm. 20s. And it's I'm very you know industrial inside, great amenities, things that I just wouldn't be able to afford on my own as an entrepreneur. Yeah. It's kind of in a trendy area too, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. So it's in the Brady Arts District. We're just a block away from a green space called Guthrie Green and they have food trucks out there on Wednesdays. So you just walk over and get a, you know, get a snow cone or a falafel or whatever. And restaurants down here, a lot that's being renovated and updated. It's kind of the new pocket of downtown. That's cool. Yeah. So what are, what are the pros and cons you think of working in a space like that? At first, I was really nervous about privacy. I'd always worked in just really small environments, and I always felt like I had to just keep everything really close to me and didn't want people to see how I did things. And so I was worried about that. And there are only six offices within the space. A lot of it is just open co-working area, and we got one of the offices. But honestly, now that we're used to it, we hardly ever use it. It's really just if we need to be on a phone call or something like that. There's a lot of collaboration, people just popping in and asking you a question. You're, it's really, it's kind of bizarre. Like you're sitting on the couch next to someone who does something completely different from you. There's a guy that just bought a bicycle manufacturer, and you know he works out of here. So you just you you never know who you're going to meet or what they're doing, but it's very interesting. Yeah, that's cool. I would bet as a PR company, you probably meet more companies than you would otherwise just from sitting next to them. Yeah. And it's interesting to see what they're doing and what stage they're in because you have everything from people who are in here who still have other jobs and they're just here to develop an idea. And you have people who are freelancers and we're one of the bigger companies in here with six people, but kind of at all different stages. So the cons might be if you're trying to do conference calls, they might uh, start playing music next door and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, we've had a few times where they have six different conference rooms. We had a few times where we ran out or, you know, that there, there are other things where it's like, you know, you just it's a building full of people. So there are people that just do things differently or they, they might be having a conversation and they start laughing really loud, but you're in the middle of something else and you know, you're, you don't want to be rude and tell them to be quiet, but you kind of have to navigate those things. So we try to just tell people, you know, kind of, this is what it is. And especially if people come here in person, they're very understanding. They kind of think it's cool. Let's take a quick break. Do you have Chip's book yet? We're offering it free to the first 100 people to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. For more information, go to 360solutions.com slash book. Again, that's 360solutions.com slash book. 
And now back to our show. I want to pivot just for a second. At 360 Solutions, we work with lots of entrepreneurs and have for many, many years. They're in a very similar boat than that you are in, you know, the startup phase. And in leadership, one of the things we talk about is the vision of the organization, the the mission, the driving force behind it is the entrepreneur, the, the leader of the organization. So, you know, you mentioned that you quit your job and, and you had this fire inside of you, this passion, this desire to really prove to others, prove to yourself and to build something that you're passionate about. We know that's a very strong characteristic of a leader. So how are you using that passion, that that fire, I guess, to lead your company? And, and what do you see the future for your company looking like? What what do you want it to be? And what's kind of that one year, three year, five year vision that you that you've set out there? Well, I mentioned that one of the leadership styles that I don't think works well is the absent leader. Part of the reason why I feel that way as I think about it is that it's really not reasonable for you to expect your employees to have that same kind of passion and drive if you're not there with them exemplifying that um, because it's it's not their baby. And so to be here and to be alongside them and for them to see that in me and for me to continue to refill my bucket so that I can continue to feel that way is really important. So that's something that I that I'm working on and want to continue to, to keep doing. I do agree with you that the absent leader is not a real leader. They need to be there yeah. and set the vision, set the tone, set the, the future of the organization. But as you know, as the company grows and you have more clients and you have more stuff going on, it's harder and harder to be there all the time when you're, you know, when you're doing it. So there's a can be a disconnect if the vision of the organization isn't clear and everybody's kind of marching to that same vision. Yeah. So we, we've actually kind of been going through this and trying to put pen to paper and say what that vision is. And really, as far as we've gotten is that probably anybody you talk to, they're going to say, well, where I thought we'd be in five years is not where we are. Where I thought we'd be in 10 years is not where we are. I didn't think that after 10 years that I wouldn't be working at the company I'm, I was at. So that that's really hard for me to do. And so kind of where we've settled on that is that we want to grow. We want to continue to grow, but we want to do it smart. So we don't want to grow just for the sake of growing and take on clients just because. We want to start to be selective about who we take on. We want to make sure that those clients are the right culture fit for us. We want to make sure that the people that we hire fit into our culture and our approach and that they're willing to work hard, but that they can play hard too. And that that sense of belief and always doing the right thing, that's just something that's ingrained to you. I mean, that's not something you can teach somebody and that's really important to us. So kind of looking at all of those different factors for growth are important to us. And probably at the heart of it and part of where the name Resolute came from is that there's a purpose to what we're doing. So when we're working with a client, we're not going to recommend things just for the sake of recommending them. There's a reason why we're recommending that. And we want to feel like we have a purpose for being there too. That's why we ask, what is your goal as a company? Because we want to get behind that. So purpose is a really important part of what we're doing. Yeah. And, and that purpose, that why you get up every day, the, the why of the organization not the what in the house specifically is what drives behavior. And that's what right. motivates people. That behavior of, you know, emotion drives behavior. So they got to be emotional about it. They got to be connected to it. And I totally, totally see that. And it sounds, I can hear it in your voice. I can see it in your face that you're, you are passionate about what you do. And that, that goes a long way. I mean, to get clients to come with you and employees to come with you. So that's wonderful. Do, do you, find it easy to motivate your your team to see the vision with you or 
is it dragging and pulling them to see it? No, <laughs> they've, they've all been really excited. So it's kind of funny just how everybody's come together because Allie worked with me at the company I was at before. So that's how I knew her. The, the next employee, like I said, I had met her just through a work event. Randy, you know Lacey Taylor mm-hmm. from high school. So yep. we knew her in high school. I hadn't seen her since high school. I was at a, a chamber event about how to you know work with millennials and what are they looking for in a job i walk in and lacy is one of the speakers <laughs> <laughs> i'm like oh that's really funny lacy you're here and you work in pr that's so funny and so we said we were going to go to lunch well uh you know by the time we got around to going to lunch she was in a spot where she was looking for something new and she wanted something that she could really get excited about feel like she had a purpose and and kind of all the things that are so important to us and so it just kind of worked out that she's come along and and worked with us and so so that everybody that started working with us kind of was looking for that same thing. That's where I said we were kind of looking for a culture fit when we were hiring people. And the last person that we hired is an entry-level employee, so straight out of school. And when we interviewed people, again, we were, I was like, I don't know how we find that culture fit because it's hard to interview someone that you don't have any kind of experience with and to really know if they're telling you the truth. You know, mm-hmm. I've interviewed interns where they look great and you know you interview them and they sound great and then they show up for work and you're like okay where's the person I interviewed because you're not the same and I was kind of nervous about that and so and there are a lot of people looking for jobs right now so I I was like okay we're going to put together this matrix we'll go through and we'll evaluate everybody and so we're scoring all the different interviewees we get to the last one and we're exhausted we're like we've talked to so many people and you know we're all kind of disagreeing about who's risen to the top we interviewed Bailey and none of us even wrote anything down on our paper. We got done and we were like, she's the one, that's it. And she is, she's incredibly loyal. She's a very hard worker. She's everything that was on our list. So when we've lucked into getting those people, it's made getting everybody motivated really easy because everybody's on the same page right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm dreading the day that, you know, I hope I never have to have that conversation with someone, but I guess we'll see what happens. Yeah. So how do you think having a a small team is either beneficial or maybe not beneficial for your company? The thing that we need to work on the most is that we love helping people a little too much sometimes. And so sometimes we just can't help ourselves and we end up taking on more work with a client than what's fair or than what we signed up for. So when you have a small team, that means that it's really easy for someone to get overloaded when they start working too much on one account and they start taking on things that they probably shouldn't have been getting into. But it's because we just, we want to help, you know, and somebody says something and we're like, oh, you know what, I'll just go do that real quick. Or yeah, let's talk about that and let's brainstorm and get excited. And, and so we have to be a little more diligent about what we're working on sometimes. Yeah. I feel like that wasn't a very good answer. No. That works. So also you're a... Uh, you're a woman and you started your own company and are all your employees female as well? They are. Yeah. How's that? It's fine. We haven't <laughs> had any drama or anything like that. It's what? Awesome. <laughs> I know. <laughs> we really haven't. So I never really thought that I would get along with a group of all women. But what I have realized is there are women who really uplift each other and support each other and want to see other women do well in business. And they're one of our clients, you know, we'll sit in a room and it's all women all making decisions together on the same page. I had never seen that before I started Resolute. I was always in a room where it would be all guys. 
and I was by far the youngest. And, and so that's been really refreshing to see. And so what I've realized is there are women that can do that and feel really passionate about that. And then there are those who cannot, and you know, men are the same way. Mm -hmm. That's Mm -hmm. just a woman thing that we have really surrounded ourselves with people who all believe that same thing. That's great. So when bidding on something with a bunch of other competitors, does the fact that you're a female founded firm with all female employees, does it help you or hurt you or does it not affect anything at all? What do you think? There have been times where I've thought maybe we didn't get something because of that. But at the end of the day, you know, I just feel like if they didn't want to work with me for that reason, then they're not the right fit for me. Yep. And 10 years ago, that would have really bothered me. It did really bother me. But today... I just have a much better sense of who is the right fit for for me and what type of client I enjoy working with. So it really hasn't been a problem. And in PR, there are a lot of women. It's very dominated by women. So it's almost hard to find guys or a firm that would be all guys that almost Mm. doesn't exist. Well, chemistry with a client is critical. I mean, it really is. If if you're going to have any longevity with a client, you got to have chemistry with them where where they trust you, you trust them, you work well together. It's it's not a combative relationship. It's a, you know, synergistic relationship. So that that makes a lot of sense. So we have a lot of small business owners, entrepreneurs that listen to our podcast. If you were to give them any pearls of wisdom when it comes to PR, when it comes to marketing, something that they can do, if they can't afford you right now, they're just getting started. Is there anything that they should be doing? Any insight you could give them if they are on a no budget or low budget concept? Just don't be afraid to get out and network. It's really easy to, especially if you're in something completely unrelated to say, I, I'm not a good salesperson. That's not what I do. Or I'm not good at marketing myself, or I don't want to talk about myself and just do it. You know, (laughs) you Mm want to grow your business. You in the beginning, you're it and your skills and what you're good at. That's what's going to sell the business. And so don't be afraid to do that. The other thing I would say is just have good business sense. You know, if someone if you promise you're going to do something, then do it. You know, pay your bills. Just start out right from the very beginning and be very deliberate about what those rules are that you're going to set for yourself and and stick to them so that you're set up for success when you do start growing. Are you seeing any sort of like things that people are doing wrong, like over and over again? You're like, oh, that was a terrible marketing decision. The salesperson thing is one. I just think it's a missed opportunity. I've worked with people where they, you know, they've hired us for marketing and they just expect that that on its own is going to help sell their services. And it's just not. I mean, someone has to be out there networking and being seen and connecting with the right people. And that's not something that you can rely on an outside firm to do. You can eventually hire a salesperson when you get to that point, but until then you need to be comfortable doing that yourself. So what are some of the trends you're seeing in advertising right now? As far as the market, it's changing. A lot of people are moving their dollars away from print and radio and moving more to television and definitely to online marketing. And the nice thing about online is that it's very measurable and you can quickly change if something's not working. We've done some really successful campaigns on Google and on social media and kind of switching between the two and seeing which one's working best. But people like being able to see results in real time and being able to track that all the way from the ad to your website and then looking at what's happening once they get there. You also advertise on your website that you've gotten some of your writings into pretty big publications. So if I'm somebody and I want to write something that might get picked up by a big publication, how would I go about doing that? 
again, it's about relationships and connecting to, with the right people. So there are, you know, tons of reporters out there for different publications and you just have to find the right one and one who's interested in your topic and then connecting with them. And they don't always want to take the article that you've written. A lot of times they don't, not all publications do that. So you'd want to look into that too, but sometimes they want to write the story themselves and that can be even better for you. If someone else writes your story, mm-hmm. just be open to that. So in our field, we have a lot of people that are um, business consultants and, and leadership experts, and they're trying to kind of build up their reputation as a visual expert. How would you recommend people do that if that's what they want their brand to be? I'm the expert on this. So content is a really good way to do that. Content marketing can be very effective and just just writing. I mean, I'm a writer, so that's sometimes how I get my thoughts out. But finding things that you can write about and be an expert on, it's a good way to practice just even for general conversations that you have with people, finding different things that you can kind of contribute your knowledge on. I, you know, you, you asked me what some of the challenges have been about being in 36 degrees north. And I, I said that Part of it was that I felt like I had to hang on to all that knowledge and I had to keep it all to myself. But you will get so much more in return if you're willing to share it with other people, either online or in person. And um, by doing it online, then you get some of the benefits of the search engines, picking up your content and seeing you as relevant in the online space. And uh, I would highly recommend you have a blog on your website and then you update it regularly. Oh, so you don't you do believe in blogging? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So I've, I've gotten a little mixed feedback on that here recently that blogging used to be really hot and now people are going away from it but you're still a believer in the blog we do a lot of content marketing and inbound marketing and blogging and generating content are two really critical parts to that when we do campaigns we're really selective on what we blog about so we make sure that we're blogging about topics that people are already searching for and then we're answering the questions that they have mm-hmm. so that you're, again, you're seen as an expert. You come to the surface whenever people are trying to find answers to that question. So you'd want to align yourself first with what's most in line with your brand, but then you'd also want to look for what are people looking for about this topic that I know about. Yeah. Yeah. What are the questions they're asking? If they're Googling a question, you want to be at the top of the list of the people that are answering that question. So what about, I've been writing on Medium recently. What do you think Mm -hmm. about that as a blogging alternative or do you think that's something you should do as well or? Yeah, it would be an addition to so any of those types of platforms, social media, you know, Facebook, Twitter, all of that searchable content. So the more places you can get those blogs and that content out there, the better, um, because it's all going to you want it to all point back to your website. So that's definitely something that you should do. We had a blog that we wrote about our space and they asked us to post it on there. Well, In closing, what we always ask is, uh, are you reading anything interesting right now? Are you listening to any podcasts that are interesting? Watching any movies, TVs, documentaries, Netflix, whatever it might be that has inspired you or challenged you or you thought was interesting? I'm I'm reading a book about organization right now, but that probably doesn't really. It does apply. It does apply. Uh, But I just started, so I don't really, the jury's still out on that one. Uh, But probably the book that I refer back to the most is The Mm E-Myth. I really, that one really kind of helped me see how a path for growth, I guess, because I'm, I'm used to being the doer. I'm used to working on things and doing things myself. And I like things done a certain way. And when I read The E-Myth and it talked about how to transfer that knowledge on to someone else so that they could help me and take things off my plate and still 
you know, reach the standards that I set for myself, that was pretty eye-opening for me and kind of helped me start to see how this could grow beyond just me. Yeah, the biggest takeaway from that book for a lot of people is to work on your business, not in your business all day long. And a lot of us entrepreneurs, we were so busy being the technician all day long, working in the business that we, we don't take enough time to step away from it and work on it. Yeah. And that's tough at the stage that I'm at right now. You know, it's get, it's getting just big enough to where I really can't be the technician anymore as mm-hmm. much as I want to be. And as much as I think I've gotten out of that, I'm starting to see now that I, I need to transition what my role is. And so that's kind of my, that's my next goal. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for carving out part of your day and, and yeah. spending this time with us and we gained a lot of insight. We really appreciate it. It was very, very nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. Thanks for listening to the High Performance Leadership Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review us. Every little bit helps. Our website is hpleadershippodcast.com. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hpleadershippodcast. Follow us on Twitter at hpl underscore podcast. And shoot us an email at podcast at 360solutions.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.